I'm just going to start it, okay? And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Genesis! Oh, what's in the box? Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nothing else. Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. I am one of your three hosts. Can you guess who I am? Who who am I? No, I'm not Jean Valjean. That's a deep cut for fans of Les Mis. But uh, with me is uh, my Javert. Aha! You did not expect the French Inquisition. No one expects the French Inquisition. I would do a joke here about running away, but uh, oh no, here, here comes the hate mail. Man, it just never ends. <laughs> you know how much hate mail I get? I mean, the post office, the, I mean, my mail carrier just hates me. She drives up and she's like, God, another bag? Who are you pissing off? Yeah, who uh, are you pissing off? I didn't know we had that I, many listeners. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a lot. Yeah. I, I don't know how they got my home address either. But I just want to say that those letters, just keep them coming because they're great for when I start my grill. Thanks. <laughs> I, of course, am Dr. Bill Robinson, and that is – who is that? Paul, the producer of Spataro. That's and there's, there's another guy who's not here. He's, he's off uh, – on special assignment. Lately, it's it's been most episodes have been two out of three. And, and like Meatloaf said, and I've two been out of I've been one of bad. the two I've been one of the two in most of them. Yes, I, mean, I think Scott and I did one together. You did one. You did your coronavirus. That's right. Our coronavirus rant talk. and rave. You did get off my lawn cast. Speaking of which, that wow, that's you, you are so good. You you create my lead in without even trying. That is the connective thread that connects these two books. And you're probably thinking, huh? I am thinking, huh? And it didn't occur to me until after I had read your story that I went back and looked at my story again. I think it's a uh, – it is not a direct connection. I think it is a unconscious psyche, like just because it's something that's on our minds. And I think it somehow drew us to these two stories. So my story involves – like a parasite thing, like a virus, right? Yes. That infects people. Your story has people who are in a economic uh, hardship in their neighborhoods and threaten of being evicted. So, completely separate. We didn't talk to each other about these stories. They do have a connective tissue. I mean, granted, that's stretching, but what do you think of my theory? That in, in the back of our minds, that may have affected our choices for our stories? Well, I can tell you it did not affect mine because in this particular instance, mine was truly random. 
I, I just kind of opened up a folder, found it, and said, I'll do this one. Well, mine I was. I hadn't I, read it until after I picked it. I was looking. Yeah, I I had not read this. It was like one of those things. Like you know, I've had this for years and I've never actually read this. So let me actually read this. So I read it. I was like, yeah, I'll do this one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I still think subconsciously, current events affected our choices, whether we knew it or not. I'm, I'm not. Although you say you picked it and then you read it. Yes. Which I picked it. And then I read it, too. But it's just weird that, I mean, you you do see the correlation I'm getting at, right? It's tenuous. <laughs> it's, it's there. It's there. Come on. I'm smart. <laughs> Come on. Look at the books. <laughs> so uh, I guess we should. Uh, you know, I don't I don't have the email up. I guess we could do that later if we have time. Yeah, well, I, have, I like to say email for after the post. I have not looked in a while, so I don't know. Yeah, where we we're definitely at. have a few pieces to read. Oh, okay, cool. All right, well, let's jump jump right in. Uh, since I have the uh, I have the I have the Marvel, I guess we will jump into mine first. And I am doing. It's one of those storylines that you're like, yeah, that looks interesting, but yeah, I never got around to reading it. And even after reading the first part, <laughs> I still don't know if I want to read the rest of it. I'm pretty sure I have all the annuals. Uh, but so back in the 90s, they were big for doing the multi-annual crossover stories. And in the, the fall of 90, I believe this was the fall. Yes. September 1990, they began the Terminus Factor. Now, just before you get into the actual the contents of this book, I, I kind of like the idea that they made the annuals actually mean something you know by doing a crossover event make it into yeah. something special so I'm, I'm good on that level i also i remember when terminus first appeared in the fantastic four which i believe was during the john byrne years yes uh, the later years if i remember and his character was like you know he came if, if i remember it all correctly he arrived like galactus like he was yeah he was a galactus over. level built uh, uh villain Kind of. But but then like they uh, when they defeated him, it turned out like his body wasn't really his body. No, it was like and a little he, guy in a suit, like Men in Black. Yeah. So from what I remember, yeah. Well, I think I think I think his head was like legitimately his head, but I think the body wasn't big. He's got a huge head. Yeah, I think you know, I think I, I have this memory of him not looking like Modok, but being more Modok like that he had this Modoc's huge head, head with a little body. Modoc's dead. But uh, like for that reason, I wasn't sure how he would become a repeat villain. Yeah, well, I guess like this they, they, they kind pull, of you know they pulled the rug out from under him. Kind of, it was like it was all smoke and mirrors. Was the way I remember that story kind of ending. Well, but this kind of picks that up with uh, the first part of this story. So, and that leads us into the story. So. Right, so I, just I, to, a, I just wanted to kind of give that as like right. where where I saw things when when I heard that they were doing the terminus factor or that they had done the terminus factor, uh, I, and I've never I've never read these five issues, but this that's like my thought process going into it was like how are they going to build him up to be truly a big villain again? Oh, sorry, I I just glanced on terminus's entry. And the way they defeated him was 
The FF located Terminus as he prepared to ravage Earth. Reed Richards managed to plant an inertia-canceling gizmo on him, which sent him to the center of the Earth. Uh, On his way back, his trip back to the surface, he contacted Joro, a deviant, who made an armored suit like Terminus and sought out Terminus Lance. I don't know where this happens at. Because then it's meanwhile the stage. So, hmm. Interesting. Just trying to see where his first appearance was. Fantastic Four 269, 1984. Hmm. 69, dude. Yeah. Oh, his appearance of death, not straight out death, was Avengers Volume 5, number 13, August 2013. So it's actually, I don't think, I don't remember reading that. Probably because I haven't gotten to it yet. I've never, I've never read any Terminus books except for that first appearance in FF. Yeah, I think I've read one of the later. Um, I, I might have read one of these later a- annuals that's in this five series, but I don't re- didn't remember reading this one. So, so the way this one goes, and this will be the can synopsis, and we'll talk about the book a little bit. So, while exploring the insides of a volcano in Washington State with an experiment sh- experimental shielded capsule, Captain America and Dr. Ramona Napier unleash a Termini strand, which is another form, apparently, of Terminus, which affects the area wildlife. When the townspeople and Iron Man eat the infected fish, all go into a rage and rip the little lo- elves' lungs out. Iron Man and Captain America battle... Iron Man and Captain America battle with Cap baiting Iron Man into landing into snowfall. The star-spangled Avenger determined that cold conditions killed the infection. Iron Man and the townspeople return to their senses. Everyone wonders if this scare has passed, but the story ends with an enraged-slash-infected grizzly bear on a rampage in the Washington woods and is continued in Iron Man Annual Number 11. Now that that's out of the way, let's talk about the book. The cover has... Oh, hold on. Let me get to the indicia. I have that. Who is the cover artist on this? I lost it. I lost it. I lost it. I lost it. Cover artist. Herb Trimpey is a cover artist. Hmm. I think that's pretty good Trimpey, too. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that's that's very I good. Tr- I didn't pick that out as Trimpy, honestly. I had no idea who. Yeah, I I thought it was so, somebody else totally. So yeah, that is. Mr. It's Trimpy. definitely not typical Trimpy style. And our writers of the story are Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas. I don't know if it's relation. Uh, Penciler. If it's. It's D A N N. I'm pretty sure that's like Danielle, and I think that was his wife. Oh. Oh well, they really they had D A N N in the. I think she I think she went by like D A N I a lot. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Her maiden name is Dennett Kuto. Huh. You you looked her up in that brief time. Well, I just had to click on her name and open up a new window. Oh okay, and that was his wife, right? Uh. Oh um, former wife. It says. Well, I guess at this time, in 1990, I guess it was his wife. Yeah, things change. Hmm. That's the only thing that remains the same. The only constant 
is that things change. What have you been listening to Rush? <laughs> I didn't know that was one of his expressions. No, not Rush Limbaugh. Rush the group. If oh. you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Bah, bah. Okay, yeah, I didn't know. Anyway. That, Eric. Uh, penciler Jim Valentino, inker Sam De La Rosa, letterer Gene Simic, and editor Ralph Macho Camacho Macchio. I wonder if Gene Simic is a relative of Artie Simic, who was the uh, letterer she in is the, the daughter of 60s. letterer Artie Simic in the 60s Artie Simic was like the letterer for Marvel and he passed away around 72 or 73 and man I am Johnny on the spot with the research and you're Johnny on the spot with the facts and I am Billy on the spot see that doesn't work Billy on the spot so there are other stories in this uh, annual but we're not going to cover them it just seems it seems like it would be too much of a coincidence for someone else named Simic <laughs> a letter of a Marvel. Yeah, yeah, that, that that does seem like it might be kind of a, uh, a stretch. So on our cover, we have uh, Iron Man blasting the bejesus out of Cap, like blowing his uh, his costume off, like like in shreds. Part of his skull. Yeah, and then like he broke he broke off one of his little wing ear thingies, and um, in the background, it's like this looming purple translucent kind of picture of terminus and his terminus's head you know that's a herb that almost looks like a um man a bob layton iron man doesn't it 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 almost looks like a bob layton or a uh who was the guy that drew a mike zek like it almost looks like one one of them drew it like if if you told me mike zek penciled this and bob layton inked it it wouldn't i wouldn't have blinked an eye yeah yeah this is a really good cover and it is indicative of a scene we will see in the book. So once we get into, into the first page, uh, the Terminus Factor Stage 1, they have a nice little thing that, that shows each annual and the progression of Terminus. And it says, you are here, Stage 1, Captain America Annual 9. And there's like a little p- pile of uh, spores and an arrow, you are here. And then each one steadily progresses into a more evolved form of Terminus as we go. So uh, we start out, uh, like I said, uh, oh, and the interior art. Mm. Yeah. I like the interior art. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Me? Not so much. I mean, it's okay. It tells the story, but some of the, the faces, maybe it's just... You know what, Jim? You know where I've not, not Jim. Va, va, he did uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy series too, didn't he? That was going on at this time. I think he did. But I think he did that better because I just don't like him here. So anyway, when Cap and uh, Ramona, my Ramona, get dumped into the volcano, somehow they crack open a um, a terminus thing that was floating around in there. Straight. A strand and it kind of knocks out the capsule and meanwhile off in the distance uh tony stark was there um now i i'm wondering tony stark is talking to a guy named leonard is this this guy that was sasquatch from wasn't that guy's leonard that guy's name leonard as I well think, i think it was leonard I, it didn't it's like, didn't like he leonard, look leonard it, it was uh 
like a something Polish house name. key. <laughs> but didn't he look like John Byrne too? This he looks like John. No, I. I I swear he looked... I, I didn't think he looked like John Byrne. I never had that impression. Uh, but I kind of remember him being a blonde-haired guy with a beard. But I but I could be... He's not listed... He's not listed in the issue as as being Sasquatch, so... No, I, I don't think he... I, don't I think, think he, maybe it's just well, a guy named Leonard. Do they give Leonard's last name in the... Uh, nope. Nope. I didn't catch it if, do if they, it was. Do they li- but they just list him as Leonard? Yeah, but no, he, he's not even listed in the characters that are in the book on yeah. the Wikipedia page. Then, then I think. So if, I guess he's just happens to be a guy named I, Len. Yeah, I think he's random guy. I may look into it later because I don't think he is. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Tony Stark is there and he's like, "Hey, I gotta go. I gotta go think," because they've lost co- contact with Cap and everybody. And of course, he steps off in the bushes and comes out as Iron Man. And that's now, a pretty now, nice Iron Man. The the Iron Man suit <clears throat> at the uh, like the iron underwear looks a little weird. It doesn't look like, like a separate metal thing. It almost looks like it's just painted on. Mm. It, it almost yeah. looks like like the yellow and red Daredevil costume. <laughs> well, and the things he's got around his feet remind me of the. Uh, the guy was in Daredevil. I would think he was in, the, and then they kind of brought the character's outfit back in New Warriors with the jet, the big jet things around torpedo? the feet. Was it torpedo or was it called something else? Like, like his feet actually looked like little ramjet engines, and his arms too. They had the same things on his arms, like this big bladed fan things on his arms. And that on it was feet. in Rom. I think he might have been a Rom. Then that would be yes. Torpedo. Was it okay? But uh, I'm not familiar. I, I guess this is an armory had the time, or this could be a special one he's got for here because he was standing by in case he had to go into the volcano. Because he dives into the volcano, gets the capsule out. Um, Cap does a nice, although pretty ballsy. Pretty ballsy move of just leaping out of a capsule in the middle of a molten volcano. He kicks the door open and yeah, leaps. I'm not sure that's possible. That he could kick the door open? That you'd be able to survive leaping over the lava. Especially I'm thinking, going, I'm thinking you, you open that door and you, and you, you open it the, and you, you're going to be like getting just burns just from being so close to lava. Well, yeah, because he says while he's inside, his heat in here is still unbearable. Okay, if you're inside a protective capsule and the heat's unbearable, when you kick the door open, the first breath you take or the person that's unconscious on your shoulder, if she takes a breath, she's going to probably sear the insides of her lungs because of the, the heat. Yeah, so, yeah, but you know what? It's comics. We'll just let it go. There's also no guarantee when you open that door that lava is not coming. Not going to pour in. in. Yeah. Yeah. So they get them out, and uh, meanwhile we see where the this little the stuff that flew out of the volcano, the little yellow little amoeba microbe things, is now you know one one of the fish is like, oh look, mm, yummy yummy, and uh, <laughs> and then he gets snatched up by a grizzly. I think it's a good bear shot. Mm-hmm. The fish, uh, eh, not so great. The bear looks very yeah. good. To me. And then you've got the the hunters that scare off the bear, 
And then these guys wrangle up all the fish for the for the local fish fry. No. But the fish have all like evil, all like orangey yellow speckled eyes. Like yeah, ah. that's what I was gonna say. Fish, fish have dead eyes like a shark. Like, yeah, but the, I don't know if I'd be eating. Like, what the what what what, what is wrong with this fish's eye? Should we be eating this? It's got but some it's, weird disease. Fish eyes are just very black. That's all they are. Yeah, these are orange. So, so this this would if if this was real, this would really stand out to you. <laughs> There's, there's no way you'd pick up one of these fish and not notice these eyes. <laughs> so uh, at, uh, everybody gathers in town later. Um, uh, Tony Stark was called away to California on short notice, but the the town is pleased to have Captain American Iron Man join us for Georgeville's annual trout feast, hosted once again by the uh, Wallachima Native American tribe. And now, as the man once said, let's eat. So this just makes me think of the scene in Airplane, you know, like, did they have the fish? (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't see Iron Man and Captain America being at a big thing like this without being constantly surrounded by people. Yeah, because Iron Man grabs his fish and, uh, oh. He goes up and he lifts lifts his faceplate off. I was just going to say, he goes off and sits behind a a trash barrel or just a barrel, a nondescript barrel next to a tree pops open his faceplate so you can see the bot. You can see his mustache, for God's sake. Hey, is that Tony Stark? Oh, the heck? <laughs> so, I think he's peeing over there. <laughs> so he can enjoy his fish. But, um, okay, so Cap and Ramona, because they bounced around inside the capsule, uh, they're a little, still a little nauseous. Oh, I, I don't want any fish. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't think my stomach can handle it. All that bouncing around. Ugh. And they babble on about, um, you know, I guess they were doing this so they could predict eruptions like Mount St. Helens. Blah blah blah. And meanwhile, Cap's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, do you think the mayor looks a little funny to you? And then the mayor's like, it looks a lot. <laughs> His eyes are orange. He looks like uh, what's his name? Uh, who, who's the, the the devil demon in Marvel Comics? Uh, Mephisto. Mephisto in the, in the close up. He that or he looks like like every angry nondescript anime character I've seen, where when they do undergo some demonic transformation, they kind of look like that. Their eyes like they've got all these dark layers around their eyes and. Their eyes are one solid color and are gritting their teeth. It's like, what the heck? So the mayor goes crazy and um, Ramona calls for Iron Man. <laughs> now, <laughs> in an inset panel, <laughs> we see Tony Stark. And now he's got the red, orangish eyes. But he's got his faceplate like lifted all the way up. <laughs> the, the, I guess the art on that panel I don't like. The faceplate, first of all, looks totally flat. Second of all, his face looks so weird. His head looks his, his forehead looks too big. Yeah, like he's he's got a five head. He's got the Peyton Manning five head going on. But we're getting like kind of a, a Walking Dead or a Borg feeling here. Everybody's being you know. Yeah. Kind of and tell me, is futile. tell me, Cap didn't kill the mayor. <laughs> well, he does right. slam him down on his I, head. Slam him on his head. Okay, I. 
I think slam him on his head describes it. He, he, he I think he him grabbed him, slams him down on his head. He grabbed, he had to have grabbed him by either his head or his neck and threw him to the ground. His head, the back of his, his shoulders, head hit the ground first and the rest of his body still up in the air. Ah, and it's a thwud, a thwud. Thwud. I thought I thwud my little head. No Northwind's politician, not even one who suddenly turned into a raving maniac, is any real threat to a guy who's gone toe-to-toe with a red skull. So let me permanently inch your spine. And then they all turn, and, and the the whole uh, the whole town is turned into the village of the damned. I, and I, li- I actually like that panel a lot, because... Uh, you know, Cap is on one side of it, Ramon is on the other side, and in between them you see, probably ten feet back from them, that all the villagers are standing in a crowd staring at them, and they're all drawn much darker. And, uh, you know, you also have, like, children, and you can see they all, even though the, it's all dark, they have, like, the very, they're, their eyes are, like, very dark in each, you know, particularly dark in each shot. Uh, and so it's almost like you said, the village of the damned or the, uh, you know, whatever, well, because you can see their the eyes are all lit. Yeah. Even though their eyes are dark on many of them, you can see little pinpricks of light. Yeah. And she even like, says their eyes, their eyes, their eyes. But, you know, and, it, and then, and then as, as if you couldn't already get it from the drawing, she says, all those townspeople slouching towards us like zombies. Ah, <laughs> uh, but apparently they have. Some of their faculties, because Iron Man, you know, Tony Stark is infected and he's able to work his armor. If he became a mindless zombie, he wouldn't be able to make the armor go. Mm-hmm. Well, at, I, I've got some type of like, well, I don't want to say plot point, but we'll get to that. So, uh, yeah, he's attacking them. Cap grabs Ramona, which is actually an interesting shot. I mean... Maybe it could have been drawn. I mean, I don't know. It's where he jumps, leaps, lands on the shield, flips, grabs her, like in midair, somehow, somewhere along the way. The only thing about that panel that I'm not sure how it works is from the position where he lands on the shield, then to flip over, how does he grab her and end up in that position? Well... Okay. Like, there's not a natural progression between the four shots. No. The first, the second, and the third, there's a progression. The fourth one doesn't fit it. This, that picture would work if she was upside down. You follow me? And he was catching her. Like, no, but even then, how does he get from being on, on his shield with the shield on the ground and he's got both hands holding the straps on the shield? So, oh, he still has his back to us. He's got his back to us and his feet are in the air. He should be turned. They should be completely turned the opposite direction. They should be 180 upside down. And he doesn't have the shield anymore. When because he, he lands and he's got his back to us. And then the next thing, it looks like he's, if he's jumping from that position, he would have to. He, yeah, it's totally. You know what? I take it back. That's that's kind of bad. The physics don't work there. Yeah, the first three, the first three images where he's drawn blue, uh, they all seem to to yes. mesh. But the fourth one, where it's supposed to be in present time, uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it just doesn't mesh with the action. Hmm. I mean, you yeah. get the, you get what they're trying to tell you here. Like he would have to spin in midair 
catch her and then spin again. And how did she get to be upside down? And how did yeah she would she, yeah it's kind of she would have had to be like thrown and he was catching her or something. But she was just standing there. Mm, yeah, that's kind of goofy. Uh, so then like one guy is going like it seems like all the townspeople are going towards a power box. Mm-hmm. And um, like an adult go, go, going to grab it and a, a little kid and Cap goes in and he saves a little kid, but not the adult. Um, and he takes the little kid and he at first I thought he put him in a garbage can, but then I realized I guess he put him in a bucket of like drinks or something. Yeah, I guess it's one says, of those buckets with ice and stuff. Yeah, he's like, which I don't think, <laughs> is that really the safest thing to do, Cap? Well, you know what? If the zombieism doesn't kill you, pneumonia will. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really done for the sake of plot. That's yeah. done so that he can figure out that ice affects it. So, um. Iron Man lands in the center of all the people. Cap is trying to take him out. Um, he's trying to stun him. Hits him with a nice shot with a shield right to the chin. Although they should have actually showed it hitting his chin. You know what I mean? Mm. Because the shield, there's the sound effect, but the shield's not even touching his head. Unless it's already hit his head and snapped it back quicker than the shield was moving. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. Okay. Now, if, if if it showed the shield not going straight, but going ha- having the straight speed lines, then the shield ricocheting upward from his, you know, you know, what I'm saying at like a 45 mm-hmm. degree angle, I would buy. I would go with that. That's that's the way I would draw it if I had any drawing skill whatsoever. So now all the uh, all the crazy all the townspeople are crawling all over Iron Man, and this is like where I got some of a plot point. So it's it's going to be determined that they're after like a power source. So being as Tony Stark is a power source, why didn't he? Why was he attacking anybody? Wouldn't he just go off and do whatever he needed to do? Why they were wanting a power source? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but they're also zombified. That's true. And the little kid, uh, Cap kind of goes back to the little kid. He calls him Mr. America. It's Captain Kid. <laughs> really? Does he say that? No, I don't think so. But he's like, can, can, can I get out, get out of here now? I'm c- c- cold. <laughs> Shut up, you little bastard. Get in there. I didn't serve my time in the army, so you can call me Mr. <laughs> sure thing, son. You roll on home and don't stop for anything. While he's casually catching his shield. He's not even looking. Because after it hit Iron Man, it's just miraculously doing a 40, like a, like a, a 90 degree turn in midair. You know. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the yeah, trajectory on, of the shield doesn't make sense. But I've always loved the idea that he has such a grasp on where it's going to bounce and, you know, the angles it's going to come at that he doesn't really have to look. Yeah. That he knows this is where it's going to be at this point. So it may not be realistic, but I just kind of like it. I remember once watching a baseball game, uh, and there was like a runner on second base, and a ball hit to the outfield, and the shortstop was Ozzie Smith, who may be the greatest fielder I've ever seen in my life. And the outfielder threw the ball in, 
and with his back to the ball, he kind of had his glove behind his back. The ball bounced once, went right into his glove from the outfield of throwing it, and he spun around and he tried to tag the runner. The runner was back on the base, but he was deking him out by, like, not even looking at the ball when it was coming in because he had such a great ability to figure out exactly where it was going to come. It was mm. To me, it was the most phenomenal play. I don't remember anybody making a big deal about it, but I saw it and I thought, that's amazing. <laughs> and they didn't make a big deal because the runner ended up being safe anyway. Like, he mm. didn't fool the runner. But he fooled me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then I was so, so, was... so Cap should... Cap could be a great baseball player. I'm sure Cap would be a great baseball player. But I just kind of like, you know, if somebody's got that great of a grasp on, on angles and bounces and stuff like that, it's extraordinary, but I guess it's possible. Mm. True. Like like a pool shark on a pool table, knowing yeah. all the angles and the bounces and everything. So Cap and Ramona get on the... Um, on the helicopter, on a helicopter that I guess happens to be there. Maybe it's a Stark Industry helicopter or whatever helicopter at this time. And Iron Man follows them after he throws off all the poor innocent, town, innocent townspeople off of them. And on the way up, uh, so Cap's like, uh, you know, well, Ramona's like, why not head overland? You have a better chance of outrunning. No time to explain. Is that Spider-Man's chopper? I guess so, because it's got that weird coding looking it looks like the 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 iron man the iron the the first iron spider costume from like web Web of of spider-man 100 yeah it looks like that that white and black uh style because it's got this weird it just looks weird so iron man takes them down in the snow and uh for a moment there cap looks like when he's squatting in, in in the snow if you didn't know better, he would say, you know, because his whole costume is black in color except for his knee. He looks like the Captain character he'll, he will become later, I believe. Or was he the Captain prior? I don't know where this one fell in the series. You know, I'm ta- you know what I'm saying, right? When he yes, had, I do. Yeah. But I'm not. When sure he just exactly. became the Captain. I think but, he became uh, the Captain around Captain America. Three and change, mm. and this one. I'm just looking to see what came out around the time of this one. This came out. This came out around the time of Captain America 380. So I think the Captain thing era would have been over. Cause didn't he? Mm. Didn't he regain his uh, identity in 350? Well, yeah, because then they went and gave it to John Walker, right? Yeah. Who became Captain U.S. Air, Agent I th- USA, I think or Captain. Three fifty is when he fought John Walker, who was in the Captain America identity while he was the captain. Mm. Okay. So that would have that would have already been like two or three years earlier. So Cap calls calls out Iron Man to come and get him, to attack him in the snow, and also the uh, the other people are. Slowly, the the townspeople are making their way up the mountain too, and Captain this America is saying, "I'm laughing at the superior <laughs> intellect." <laughs> That's it, Shellhead. Knock me around like an eight ball, looking for a side pocket. Oh, look, look, look! We had a pool reference. 
You, Repulsor rays, Unibeam, throw you everything want me at shellhead, me. You're gonna have to come down here. <laughs> and he gets him to dive in the snow. And it's not like, oh, let's see. Let's see. Let me just, alright, so earlier, earlier, Iron Man dove into a volcano of like 2,000 degrees. And he wasn't affected by temperature. Right? But snow. So, so now, oh my god, he dove into the snow. And maybe because he had his eye holes open, some snow got in there. And the snow was able to revive him. And I'm like, really? Eh, okay. I know, suspension of disbelief, blah, blah, blah. But now, now uh, first on the uh, when he's first attacking Cap, and Cap is doing all the leaps and everything. And then they show the close-up of the townspeople. Doesn't that look like it's out of like uh, a uh, an underground comic? Which one, where it says "Cap, look out"? Yeah, all the people there. Yeah. And in that yeah. same shot, doesn't uh, doesn't Iron Man look like uh, Arno Stark? Yeah. Because yeah. of the eyes. Yep. I'm just kind of tilting my head sideways like a dog because I'm trying to look at Cap. Got a really prominent chin there. Well, she got some bruising on him or something. I think he took a punch from a, from an iron glove. <laughs> yeah, and then his outfit's starting to get all torn up, and his hair is sticking out through his. He's got ripped all over his costume. And yeah, Iron Man's uh, almost knocked his mask off. He's hanging over the ledge, and all the crazy townspeople are looking up, and then. Tony comes to murmur. murmur, 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 Oh, actually, he blasted off the piece of rock that was Cap was holding on to. That was kind of cold. <laughs> Get it? Cold. So then he flies down and grabs the rock and uh, brings him back up to the surface. And minutes later, all is explained. Oh, in a page with a lot of dialogue. <laughs> I mean, that's. That's a uh, that's a writer who has not learned brevity. <laughs> Something in those fish turned people into raving psychopaths, berserkers, attracted to energy sources like a terminal box in your armor, or you, to or you chopper. to the to the chopper. Followed the chopper, but cold somehow seems to reverse the effects. An accidental ice dip had worked on the boy, so I had to pray it would work on the rest of you. And once it did, once the townspeople had trampled up here in the snow line chasing a power source like you, as you can see, they're all slowly returning to normal, horrified by what they've done. Horrified. Look at them. They're all like, oh, my God, what did I do? All right. And that's where we should end the story because the next page makes me sad. Why? Because the bear kills the deer. Oh, but you, well, yeah, and is, they're saying, oh, that glowing substance, oh, it could be, it could be anywhere. Wonder where it went. Then we should just end the story there. Slash! <laughs> it's the deer. It's yeah, like so the, you, you, you ever know seen, what? you ever seen Bambi versus Godzilla? Yes. Okay, that's that's what I picture here. You know, little deers just sitting there drinking some water, having a good life. Hey, my life is happy. You know, I've got a lovely family. Oh my god! 
Well, it's along the same lines. Uh, when Marissa Tomei's little speech from uh, My Cousin Vinny, because Vinny wants to go hunting. He said, imagine oh. you're a deer. You're putting your little deer lips in the water. Bam! A hunter shoots you in the head. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the deer, deer is drinking the water, and all of a sudden, just a claw slashes him around the, by, at the neck, and he's dead. And the uh, the 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 grizzly is uh, stand, standing on its rear legs and growling, and he's got the glowing eyes. And we see a uh, silhouette uh, of the you know kind of a, a translucent a terminus, terminus uh, you know. Just not that he's there, but just to let you know that that's the influence. Mm. And it says, uh, it doesn't say, uh, uh, oh, and if something else ate some of those tainted fish, thrash, dead deer, the whole world could be in big trouble in little China. And it is is in the Iron Man annual for Terminus Lives. Terminus Lives. And while we were recording, dear listeners, we decided uh, behind the scenes. We decided we're gonna we're just gonna do the whole terminus, all all five issues. We're gonna postpone Paul's book, and um, we're just gonna finish this out because we're we're kind of intrigued. Yeah, exactly. That's I, I'm certainly intrigued by it and would like to go on to the next issue. And you know we're gonna do all five, and hopefully we won't be disappointed by all five. Yeah. Because you know it's always easy when we do like oh yeah this is this is this is a classic this is you know sometimes we're gonna dive into something different that but may I've, not I've liked in the past and this fits the bill with that where we've picked uh you know a series or you know a mini series or a storyline that we're not familiar with and said mm-hmm. let's let's go through it so you know neither of us have read this one uh, and it seems intriguing at least. I don't know if it's going to be really good, if it's going to be really bad, or just really mediocre. But you know, we'll give it a shot. It's, I think it's worth uh, worth taking a look at. Yeah. So the book that I was going to cover, we'll we'll put on hold for a later time, and it doesn't really have too much of a connection to this one anyway. <laughs> but in the meanwhile, I'd like to read a couple of emails. I don't know if you have your email oh, open, Bill. Are Are we going to read it? Oh yeah, we didn't read it. We. <laughs> We're like, way ahead of ourselves here, or Come I'm back. getting way ahead of ourselves. I was going to make I'm coming back. I was going to read the book. <laughs> All right, cover. I am going to give the cover, even though it's kind of plain in the background, except for Terminus with a lot of the white, uh, the foreground is really good, really good Herb Trumping. Unless it's a mistake that it's Herb Trimpey, unless they're wrong on the Wikipedia page, which, I mean, it could be. But I, I honestly mean, don't know. So I'm actually going to give this cover... Hmm, a, I'm trying to think of it rates an A. I'll say B+. Plus. What? 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 <laughs> I'm going to give it A. <laughs> and the interior art... Ooh, well, we found a couple... Yeah, yeah. I got to give the interior art a C. Just a straight C. Um, I mean, it's there's some good shots or some bad, so it just averages out. It's a C. 
And the story, you know, we're opening up the salvo. Uh, I'll give the story. I mean, it's kind of goofy, some of the things. I'll give it a B minus for the story. So that's uh, close to a B minus B for me. Okay. Uh, I really like the cover as well. Um, I'm, 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 frankly, I'm surprised how much I like it. Uh, I'm going to say an A minus on the cover. Just, just not quite A, but really good. The interior art, I like it more than you did, but you know, I, I do see some some flaws here and there. I think some of the faces aren't great, uh, but some of them are really good. I, I think. You know, for the most part, the storytelling is pretty solid. Uh, I'm going to just say a B on the interior art. And story-wise, it's like I like the story, but there's also some kind of like things like we say, well, why does that happen? Well, plot. Um, there's also a little, you know, a little more dialogue in some parts than I think is really necessary. So I'm going to say I'm going to say a B minus on the Story. So B minus on the story, a B on the art, and an A minus on the cover. I think it averages out to a B book. Hmm. Okay. Well, so next time. At some be... point soon, we'll go on to uh, Iron Man Annual. Yeah, Iron Man Annual 11 with guest starring Machine Man. Ooh, Aaron Stack. Hmm. So now we'll get to the emails. So I'm trying to open a piece of email, but you know the way this. Uh... Yeah, I think I opened it up. There we go. I got one open here. It is called Growing Up Looney, and it is from our friend Luke Giaconetti. And it's not too bad. February 19th, 2020, it was written. So it's not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Pliers of the Time Stream. Hey, fellas. I recently had a chance to listen to your Looney Tunes Spectacular. And despite being totally off format for the show, I loved it. Growing up in the 1980s and into the 1990s, the Looney Tunes were a huge part of my childhood and young adolescence. The same as the three of you, despite the difference in era. I remember specifically watching Looney Tunes in a 30-minute syndicated block on either Channel 11 WPIX or Channel 5 WNYW as a kid in New York. Pretty sure it was not Channel 9 WOR, or the odd local channel we got from Connecticut, 21, 22, one of those. But honestly cannot recall which channel they aired on. I also have a vivid memory of Kids Cable Channel Nickelodeon getting the rights to air the Looney Tunes in the late 80s, and it being a big deal for the network with a lot of advertising. Those Looney Tunes on Nickelodeon's episodes were very unusual in that they featured a good deal of very early black and white shorts, including featuring the now-forgotten character of Bosco. It was on this series I first saw a classic Porky Pig in Wacky Land, a surrealistic short featuring Porky chasing the dodo bird through the titular Wacky Land. I kind of remember that one. I mm. vaguely remember it. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. I became a fan of the dodo bird from his modern counterpart and son, Gogo Dodo, on Tiny Toon Adventures. One additional aspect of the tunes I wanted to mention was the movies. Growing up, I had a few compilation movies on tape, and these were always in rotation for my viewing. The ones which jumped to mind specifically from my young childhood 
or the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie featuring Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century, Robin Hood Daffy and Duck Amok, three of the best Daffy shorts ever, plus other classics such as What's Opera Doc, the Looney 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 Bugs Bunny movie featuring several of Bugs Bunny run-ins with Yosemite Sam, along with the Three Little Bops, an all-time personal favorite, and 1001 Rabbit Tales featuring Alibaba Bunny and Bewitched Bunny, two classics which were forever quoted by my brother and I, Hassan Chop, or Hansel, 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 respectively. To that, I'll add the final original film compilation, Daffy Duck's Quackbusters, which featured a bevy of supernatural or monster-related shorts, such as Hide and Go Tweet, Transylvania 65000, and Claws for Alarm. I had this film taped off HBO and watched it over and over as a preteen, and even into my teenage years, one of my legitimate favorite pieces, Looney Tunes media of all time. One helpful person has put a rip in Quackbusters. One helpful person has put a rip of Quackbusters taped from HBO up on the Internet Archive, so I can relive my 90s obsession. Back in the 80s and even into the 90s, Looney Tunes was still a legitimate and vibral brand, vi- viable brand that were commonplace enough and that everyone still knew them. Unlike today, where the kids are not familiar with them unless they have parents who have taken the time to introduce them. The last real hurrah I remember for them was Space Jam, which came out when I was in high school. Now, with a new Space Jam movie in the works, along with supposedly a Wild E. Coyote movie, currently titled Coyote v. Acme, a tense courtroom procedural, perhaps, Hopefully Warner Brothers remembers the value of these characters and gets them out there for a new generation once again. Thanks, and stay loony, Luke. I couldn't agree with you more, Luke. I, you know, I, I, I think our love of these shows came through in that episode. Well, wasn't it just announced, like, the past two months that there's a new series they're looking at doing? A new Looney Tunes series? I think I heard something about that, but yeah. I'm not 100% certain, to be honest with you. Hmm. Oh, there's a mosquito truck going by. And there goes the mosquito truck. I I don't know if you could hear that. I did hear it. So spraying me with... uh, What do they use on the bugs nowadays? Is it Malathion? No, that's even on. Yeah, DDT. Yeah, you know me. You know with DDT. I'm, I'm a horrible person. I'm waiting for the email to open. Not always a quick process. You know, a horrible thought just occurred to me. I'm not running my uh, recorder. I am. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I was like, no! I'm still waiting for an email to load any day now. Of course, when I click the inbox, then it pops up. Okay, let's try it again. Hey, there we go. And this is from... This is JSA Jack Strange Adventure from Jack from Bond. Jack Bond. Sorry if I've, I'm sure you've never heard that joke in your life, sir. I was surprised to hear Jack Williamson was a guest star of the JSA. He was still writing when I was reading science fiction magazines in the 70s and 80s. My reading my reading dropped in the 1990s. But looking him up, I see he. But looking him up, I see he kept writing into the 21st century. 
I am no expert, but I don't remember anything to suggest he wasn't one of the good guys. I went to my LCS to look for this series. I had a few uncertainties about the continuity, too, with regard to Earth Prime. I associated Hugo Gernsback with the 20s and early 30s. I didn't know if he was still active at this time. Again, I'm no expert. Just like us. We're not experts. We just pretend to be. I just might not have heard of it because by the by the war years, Amazing Stories had lost dominance in the field to its rival, Astounding Stories. Small bits of knowledge can be found by computer now, and I see the editor at the time was a guy named Raymond Palmer. No. Hmm. Sure he wasn't shrunk down or uh, – never mind. I lose you, Paul. You still here? I'm still listening. Okay. Even if they even if they didn't just want to use the founder, this name should be changed to avoid looking like an in joke. The in joke actually goes the other way. Gardner Fox knew the short combative editor and thought his name would be appropriate to uh, to arrival of the Atom. Here's the issue with the Fox story, and he has a link to a window another uh, thing there. The advice on the number of adjectives and adverbs in a sentence rings true of what I know of the period. Magazines paid around a quarter cent a word to a full penny, depending on the magazine and the desirability of the author. Anywhere you can keep the editor from editing out was money in your pocket. Hmm. Well, theoretically, well, theoretically, there was also a joke that magazines could follow one of three schedules for sending out the check. Payment when the story was accepted, payment when the story was actually printed, or payment when the author threatened a lawsuit. Looking at the cover art in issue two, I wondered if it could, if I could find something similar to the actual magazine. If we stretch the war years to 1939, we have this, which is closest to the layout. I'm going to open that up real quick. I don't know if you would like to, too. I don't have this piece of email open, so it probably oh. take me two hours to oh, get I, it to open. Oh, I see. It's kind of got uh, like a big bug guy, big bug over two people crawling out of like a hatch in spacesuits and a bug looming over them. I have to go back and look at the other. Gotta go back. We gotta go back, Kate. We gotta go back. People get that joke, don't they? If they don't, go watch Lost. <laughs> That's all. Get back. Get back to me when you get to season. Two or three. Oh, I think I think it's beyond that. I think. It's oh, like, and the cat's here. It's time for the cat to eat. All right. So, although the monster reminds me less of Annihilus and more of Squidward, yeah, he does. Like, this cover story is credited to neither Williamson or Thunder, but I guess that's one of the ways our histories differ. Ray was also editing a sister publication, Fantastic Adventures, but nothing really close shows up there. Gernsback founded another magazine, Wonder Stories, that went to another publisher who put Thrilling in front of the title to match his other books. At, at this time, Thrilling Wonder Stories, edited by a guy named Mort Weisinger. Here's a cover from 1940. Pull that up real quick. Oh, yeah, that does. it's another bug-eyed monster. Bug-eyed monster! There are tons of other sci-fi magazines, and I'm not going to try to make a tenuous connection, but there is one actually named Strange Adventures. Despite it being from England and from 1946 to 47, and only lasting two issues, gee, I hope they didn't pay for any stories they didn't get around to printing, they too provide another another entry on the cover contest. Oh man, that's a really goofy looking, that's like, 
Wow, what is that? That looks like a a purple polar bear with a bunch of extended limbs and a monkey face. Okay. Looks like some of my wedding pictures. <laughs> oh, I didn't say who they were, though. <laughs> I don't mind spoilers for the issues I don't have, so I'll be listening for further coverage. Jack, well, thank you, sir. Thank you for all the research you did. Because uh, we're just lazy. Oh, here comes the... Here comes the oh. And there it goes. Got to get those mosquitoes, man. This is what happens where I live. Mosquito trucks going by, cats breaking in, you know, eating food. So, we going to read another one, or is that it? Uh, uh, so I'll read one by somebody else. This, here's a nice short one by Sean, Ur- Sean Urbanski. Guys, great episode. I'm not sure which one. Oh, he said episode 403. Do we know which episode was 403? That was the one you and Scott did, if I remember correctly. Uh, I don't think I've listened to that yet. I'm way behind. Episode 403 we covered. That was the Superman story and... uh, Oh, yeah, Superman and Captain America. Yes, that was just Scott and I. So now Sean says, guys, great episode. Really emphasize with Scott's... I guess it would mean sympathize? No. Emphasize... I guess he's, it's emphasize, but I guess he means empathize with yeah. Scott's oh, preference yeah, yeah. for reading the real thing, i.e. newsprint comics from day over Marvel masterworks, etc. For me, the reading a well-read copy of a 70s Marvel book is a much better experience than reading a masterworks or yuck digital edition. Uh, I don't disagree with you, Sean, but I would... I will take things in whatever format they're available to me. So if it, you know, I'm tr- for the most part, the seventies books are the ones that I'm really trying to continue to acquire and, and fill the holes in my collection. So yeah, those are the ones I want, but uh, you know, if I can't get those and I have to take some form of reprint, reprint, I will. So Sean went on the color may seem crude by today's standards, but it was a special art. Take a few colors, vary the density and proportion of the dots, and let the reader's eye make the colors. Anyway, love back to the bins. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for writing in, Sean. I appreciate your uh, comments. And, you know, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but like I said, I will take them in whatever format I can get them. Thank you, sir. So I guess that'll do it for today's show. Uh, sorry we only brought you one book. We thought we were going to bring two, but, you know. But we're getting old. Yeah, we are. We're old, and it's getting late, and we're cranky. So we'll we'll, we'll get you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. 
Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Darn, that's the end.